I read a story this past week from Shirley Ratcliffe, and she says, when our daughter Kathy was participating in a parenting class at her church, she explained to her six-year-old daughter, Kayla, that she was taking a course to help make her a better mommy. The next Sunday after church, Kayla became upset and had a tantrum because she was not getting her way. Both parents tried to calm her, but with tears streaming down her face and in a loud voice, Kayla announced to her mother, you told me you were taking a course to make you a better mommy. Well, it's not working. <laughs> you failed. Moms today tend to feel that way at times. That everyone's against you and that things really aren't working in the way that they ought to. And usually it's not you, it's them. And there was an article in the Time Magazine this past week that was highly uh, provocative in terms of conversation. You'll notice that I cut out part of it. How many of you have seen this article? Okay. It's a very interesting article. It has like an eight-year-old kid breastfeeding. I don't think I've ever said that in church. Breastfeeding, and uh, it just talks about attachment uh, parenting or mommies who uh, struggle with their sense of, of worth and their sense of attachment and how all that comes together. It's a very interesting article. And it's, it has a lot of discussion going about moms with that lingering question, are you mom enough? Now, as if moms didn't already have enough to worry about, here is one more thing to lead them to question, are they really mom enough? Moms today, just like always, need help. There's always uh, some, some inspiration, some encouragement that a mother can take and run with to get a little bit farther down the road. And there are some great moms in the Bible who provide us with all kinds of examples and provide moms with all kinds of tips and helps on being a, a better mom. And I'm looking out at all of you, and I can't imagine any moms better than those represented here. As we look at these in the Bible, and we're going to look at three this morning, uh, we'll find that none of them were absolutely perfect. We'll find that as we look at all the moms that are represented in the Bible, you find some who were really good at what they did. They really poured their lives into their children. And then there were some that were really bad. We can read about them too, but most of them were good and bad. They had really strong characteristics and they had some fairly weak ones too that we see. But I want to just, and, and just with the time we have this morning, look at three different moms. And the three things that I think they teach us. And the first one of those would be, as a mom, turn your child or your children over to God. And this mom would be Hannah. And we heard about her earlier in 1 Samuel. And if you know the story of Hannah, it's, a, it's a, a kind of a long story. But if you begin in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and you work your way through, you will see the, the turmoil that she is going through as she is longing to have a child. And Elkanah, her husband, uh, is also wanting a child. And, and we see what takes place here. It becomes really like a soap opera in terms of uh, him wanting to have a child and her trying to have a child. And so he looks elsewhere. And then she becomes jealous, as you can imagine, and gets angry. And yet she continues to pray. She prays that God would give her a child. And if you've ever been in that situation, you 
no doubt know what that's like. You keep waiting. And you keep praying. And you begin to wonder, is this because of me? Is it my fault that I can't bear a child? And certainly in their culture, it was always the woman's fault. Which was wrong. Just a note. (laughs) But she tried and she continued. And finally God heard her prayer or answered her prayer. And she brought this beautiful child into the world, Samuel. But one of the things that she said is, God, if you will give me a child, then I will give him back to you. And if you look at these words, uh, it says, Hannah did, did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I'll bring him that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. And her husband Elkanah said to her, well, just do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him, only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained, she nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull and Eve half a flower and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh and the child was young. And then they slaughtered the bull and they brought the child to Eli and said, Oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. God, do you remember when I came and I poured out my heart and just prayed. And then it says, for this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to Him. You can just sense the excitement and the sense of gratitude. And and she remembered that this was all about God. And she left Him there for the Lord. How hard would that be? Well, maybe at times you think that's not going to be too hard. I'll drop him off at the fire station. Which is a safe haven, by the way. But as she did this, she, she left him there. And you can just think about the incredible faith and, and the consecration within her own soul of, of leaving him there. Thinking, I've waited all this time. Yet God, he doesn't belong to me. He belongs to you. And so she walked away and left him there. She would go back to visit. But he belonged to God. I read a story uh, in uh, a uh, magazine this past week that is called Mothers Never Get a Break, and it's a true story. Hungry at the end of the day, a 15-year-old boy found his mother in bed and suddenly seized with concern. He says, Mom, are you sick or something? Well, as a matter of fact, his mother replied weakly, I'm not feeling too well. I'm sorry, Mom, the boy responded with furrowed brow. After a brief pause, he then added, Don't you worry a bit about dinner. Pretty nice, huh? I'm getting pretty big now, and I'll be happy to carry you down the stairs to the stove. (laughs) That has nothing to do with what I just said, but I thought I would say it anyway. Because that's how moms feel so often, and you're ready to give them up. But there was a mother who was fined uh, for calling her son too often. It says, in most families, miscommunications are a common event. And when mothers are involved, or where they're involved, overcommunication can sometimes be an issue. Really? But a recent court ruling from Austria highlights a rift between mother and son that is truly remarkable. And it's really quite sad. A woman from the town of Klagenfurt was fined 360 euros, which at that time was $478, on a charge of stalking her adult son. It was the son who filed the lawsuit, claiming that his mother called him up to 49 times a day for a period of 2.5 years. Can you imagine? 
Time to change that number. <laughs> the woman's words to an Austrian newspaper reveal the, the pain of broken relationships within a family. I just wanted to talk to him, she said. I can't talk to my son nor my daughter. I've never seen my grandchild who is already 15 years old. Sounds like there are some issues that are there. Moms, be sure that you give your child up to God. Turn your child over. And maybe you've done that before. Maybe you did it here. Maybe you, uh, you did it long ago when your child was born. Maybe it's time you do it again. I know some moms who have kids that have long out of the house. Maybe grandmoms or great-grandmoms who continue to hang on. When really what needs to happen is this turning over to God. It takes a lot of trust. It's a dangerous kind of thing, thinking I don't have the kind of control that I want to have over my child. And we have some helps that are here. Hannah, she prayed. And as a mom, I know you pray. Thank God you pray. Where would we be without the prayers of our mothers? But there is that initial prayer like Hannah. God, here He is, or here she is, or here they are. And there is that initial offering of the child up to God. But there needs to be a constant offering as well. As you know, that you continue to worry or you have anxiety or you struggle with things about your child. And it's that constant going back to offer that child up to God. Day after day, minute after minute at times. But it is also a matter of allowing your child to be who God has created her or him to be. That's another part of offering up to God. Sometimes we, we have certain things that we want our children to do, or we, have, we expect certain things of them in relationships, or we expect them to be like we were, or even better, we expect them to do things that we could never do, and we live vicariously through them, and we try to steer them in the way that we think they ought to go. And that's just a part of parenting, but the bigger part of parenting is allowing them to be who God has called them to be. Are you willing to do that with your children to say, my hands are off, I'll, I'll make sure that he or she is fed, I'll make sure they have clothes, that's a very good thing to do. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that they're going to school, I'll do everything I can to resource her or him to do whatever God has called her or him to do. This is something that we all struggle with, but it's something God has, has called us, especially moms, to do. But I think a second lesson and a help for moms here comes through Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the help that comes is believe in your child's future. Not too long ago, or it doesn't seem like too long ago. Whoops, I think you need to go to the next one there, uh, Jack. Uh, Mary um, was presented with this announcement about what was getting ready to take place in her life. That she was getting ready to have a child. And she had no idea. Some say she was 13 years old, maybe a little bit younger. And as she was told that she was going to have a child, you can imagine the fear that was in her heart. And if you look back here in Luke 1, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And then Mary said, here I am. The servant of the Lord, 
Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. You can just imagine how scary that would be. And we find out throughout the gospel, that uh, throughout other gospels as well, that Mary cherished all of these things in her heart. Every time an angel or a prophet or someone would, would say something about her son, instead of fear, there would be belief. She cherished all of these things in her heart and she believed in her son's future. No matter what, no matter what was going to happen, she continued to do that. Evie Hill is one of, one of the greatest preachers of all time. He passed away a few years ago, but he pastored Mount Zion Baptist, Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles. And he tells a story about his mother, uh, about his mama's love and prayers and how they changed his life. During the height of the Depression, Hill's real mother, who had five children of her own, didn't have enough food to go around. So she sent four-year-old Ed to live with a friend in a small country town called Sweet Home. Ed just called her mama. And as he was growing up in Sweet Home, out, uh, Sweet Home, Mama displayed remarkable faith, which led her to have big plans for young Ed. All right. Ed just, uh, he continued to, uh, to love on her, and she had this plan for him. And Mama helped Ed graduate from high school, the only student to graduate that year from the country school. And she even insisted that he go to college. She took Ed to the bus station, handed him the ticket and $5, and said, Now go off to Prairie View College, and Mama is going to be praying for you. Hill claims that he didn't know much about prayer at that point, but he knew Mama did. When he arrived at the college with a dollar and ninety cents in his pocket, they told him he needed $80 in cash in order to register. And here's how Hill described what took place. He says, I got in line, and the devil said, Get out of line. But I heard my mama saying in my ear, I'll be praying for you. I stood in line on mama's prayer. And soon, there was another new student ahead of me, and I began to get nervous, but I stayed in line. And just about the time the other student got all of her stuff and turned away, Dr. Drew touched me on the shoulder and he said, Are you Ed Hill? And I said, Yes. Are you Ed Hill from Sweet Home? Well, yes. Have you paid yet? Not quite, but we've been looking for you all this morning, he said. And I said, well, what do you want with me? We have a four-year scholarship that will pay your room and board, your tuition, and give you a $30 stipend to spend. And I heard Mama say, I'll be praying for you. Evie Hill stood on his mother's prayers. She believed in him. She believed in him so much that she was willing to send him off with just a little bit of money in his pocket, but with a whole lot of faith, a whole lot of belief in what he would become. As moms of today, believe in your children's future. Believe in what God wants to do with them. And it comes from being like Mary and listening to God as God sends His angels into your life in various different ways to say, this is what's going to happen with your child. And it's a matter of listening and hearing what God is saying to you about who your child is, whether your child is a baby or 40 or 50 years old. God still works through you as a mom. So listen to what God is saying. What is God saying to you about him or her? But also in believing, 
Well, the, the fact that God will make it happen. Sometimes we doubt, don't we? I know my mother must have doubted many a time, uh, especially when I was in high school, about how I would turn out. But she continued to believe, and I know she continued to pray. I stand here today because of the prayers of my mother, and I know some of those had to have been agonizing. And yet she believed. She believed that God had a purpose for my life. Believe that it will happen. Where is your intention about your child? If you envision, and maybe your child is just horrible. I know none of you are. But if your child is just horrible or strayed from where you think your child should be, do you have a vision for that child? Do you, do, have you caught God's vision for that child? And is there a sense of intention there about who that child can be? If you have that positive view about your child, chances are your child will start to pick up on that. And you can help that child envision a better future and a way to go down the road. So it comes from believing that and never giving up. There's so many examples, so many stories about prodigal children. In fact, Jesus gives us the best as He talks about the father who stood on the front porch. But I can just envision the mom there as well. In fact, I can envision the mom hanging out there a little bit longer than the dad, looking for that child to come home. Never give up on the plan that God has for your children. But finally, instill faith in your children. This would be a third help that we get from moms of the Bible. And this one comes from uh, two women with somewhat unusual names, uh, Lois and Eunice. Now, my grandmother's name was Elois. So whenever I, I think about this, I think about uh, my grandmother. But we find out in 2 Timothy, and Paul discipled Timothy to be a pastor and to be a leader and to take the faith that was inside of him. But Paul is writing to Timothy to remind him some things about his faith. And he, he says, if you look again here at the text, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, Timothy, it lives in you. The faith that I've heard about in your churches there in that community, the faith that I have seen, I, I just know it had to have come from Lois and from Eunice. Now, we don't know much about Lois. She was the grandmother, and there's no question that she is the source of all of this. But Lois instilled faith into Eunice, her daughter. And Eunice continued to, to live that faith out. What little we know about her is that she was a faithful woman. And then we find Timothy here. Timothy sat at the feet of his mother and his grandmother and was instilled with the faith that they had. And I'm sure there were some terrible days in their lives as they lived lives in oppression from the Roman government and in poverty and dealing with all kinds of struggles. They continued to demonstrate their faith to him. And he continued to, to glean from that. And they, they continued on with that faith. And he was able to bless other people with it. Well, his name was Tim, and he was the bane of my existence. I can't remember now any particular thing that he did to irk me. I simply recall from the fourth grade on, he gave me a general sense of panic, says Brandon O'Brien. Tim was unpredictable, content one moment and angry the next, and I half feared and half loathed him. I thought slugging him in the nose might solve the problem. My mom suggested praying for him. That's just like a mom, he says. 
But she insisted. And each night before bed, she prayed and she encouraged me to pray for Tim. I don't remember either of us asking God that I would like him more. It seems mom always prayed for his peace. Over time, something remarkable happened. Tim seemed calmer more often. As he grew more peaceful, I grew less fearful of him. God answered our prayers. That's what God does, he says. He answers prayers. His eagerness to meet our needs is an important element of his character. I'm convinced my mother knew that full well. She recognized my crisis as one through which God would whisper a word to me about his character. She clung to God's promise to offer peace to his children. And she was confident that God would hear me when I called out to him. That's a great example of a mom instilling, just in an everyday circumstance, the kind of faith that will make all the difference in the world. As a mom of today, instill faith in your children. Look for those opportunities to be able to to share with them the things that you've learned. And of course, that requires your owning of your faith. You're you're taking your faith in your own life and, and doing everything you can to deepen your faith, like coming to church and being involved in a, a Bible study and being involved in service in the community. These are ways that you will deepen your faith. And I, I hope that as you continue on throughout this week and into this next year of motherhood, that you will continue to deepen that faith. We are all blessed by the faith that you have, but then continuing to look for opportunities to demonstrate it. Uh, Pablo Picasso said, when I was a child, my mother said to me, if you become a soldier, you'll be a general. If you become a monk, you'll be the pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. His mother believed in him and she instilled in him the things that he needed to be able to get where he eventually became. God has given us such a great opportunity to do this. And for moms, you have so much influence and so much character and so much faith. And we give thanks to God. There's a Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. Now, I take issue with that. (laughs) But I believe it's really true. And then Sarah Hale said, no influence is so powerful as that of a mother. We've seen that with these three moms today. Incredible influence and power that moms have in our world today. As I look out today, as I look at moms and grandmoms, I see that as well. We give thanks for you today. Let us pray.